0: Essential role that uh, Samar Four Noble Truths. precepts, to begin the practice of meditation, first you need wisdom, or right view. Wisdom comes first, even though we also talk about the practices being made up of sila, Samadhi, and then Panya. There has to be some Panya, some wisdom first. Someone understands the path they can give true guidance of value based on true wisdom true knowledge and insight the other factor that gives rise to samaditi is our own wise reflection having heard the Dhamma small insights that give rise. that it leaves something with us some wisdom, some understanding that doesn't just disappear these two factors of hearing the Dhamma from noble ones and then reflecting Self requires effort, the effort to seek out good teachers, listen to them, respect what they say, and then trying to apply it, put it into practice, all requires effort. It's not just handed to us on a plate. You can imagine in the time of the Buddha, those people who, uh, they say, listen to one talk and simple act of just turning up at the right moment they almost certainly would have had a an aspiration They already had an aspiration to find the Dhamma, seek the Dhamma. One of those anecdotes they were passing around recently because of the uh, funeral of His Majesty King Bhumipo. about him as somebody who has great accumulated merit, Barami. And there's one story from his early life in the palace when he was new to being king back in the 1950s. And he had obviously already faith in Buddhism. He was brought up in the West. fairly new to Thai Buddhism, in a sense, and didn't know many monks or many of the meditation masters of the day. It's not like today where you have a lot of information and knowledge around through internet and other communication means. (coughs) So the anecdote. morning he went out with some of his staff and with food ready to the gates of the palace in case a monk would come on Bintabhata, which is the main way you might meet a monk if you don't know them, and nobody came, and the same thing happened the second day, and mm-hmm. they say on the third day he was called away on urgent business. Sent his staff out with the food to the gate, mm-hmm. and he said, "If, if, and he said if, any, if a monk was to come, make sure you note down his name and where he lives, so his trusted assistant was there with the food.'" in a helicopter and visited Lumpofan's monastery. And before he arrived, he asked the local towns, people, village people, what they thought of Lumpofan, and received glowing reports of Lumpofan's attainments as a meditation, enlightened meditation master with psychic powers and so on. with the forest tradition of monks and he gradually got to know many of them personally, visiting them often in very remote places in those days. You might even say dangerous places later in the 60s and 70s tradition and visited those teachers. You might say this is the action of a wise person seeking out a noble one. is that recognition that when you meet with good teachers, then you get good teachings. And if you respect the Dhamma, and these teachers encourage and bring up that respect, that faith, and this gives you a great momentum, impetus to internalize what you've heard, listen to it, believe it, reflect on it. say our first enlightened teachers or Arahants are actually our parents when we're young. They teach us language and with language they teach us those simple truths, what is right and wrong. And that's, you see that all around the world, there's certain things. selfie. The, the laity on the values of generosity as a way to develop some right view you See the value of supporting summoners and just in general practicing generosity <coughs> to counter human beings more natural selfish desire to accumulate wealth, to always seek wealth and pleasure and value of practicing generosity and you know, not focusing just on the wealthy, but pointing out that generosity its a state of mind. gave that teachings to because it brings up happiness when you practice generosity. Giving and sharing makes us happy as human beings. Uh, he even said it's a way of developing wisdom. Strangely enough, it's not always thought of that way. But When you practice generosity well, developing, because you have to think about it to do it skillfully, in an effective way, in a way that really is useful to our, ourselves and to others. It also brings us that sense of well-being, this is why Stephen Poor Damrong recently is talking a lot about the value of merit, merit-making, especially in the lay source of inner happiness and you feel good when you practice generosity and you don't have to wait for next life to experience the results you know, if it's a true mental moment of non-greed, non-attachment kindness straight away you feel the result maybe only for a short period of time your life, but at least for a short period, brief period, you have a feeling of joy when you practice generosity. So the Buddha... and right view because we're understanding Sila On any level, whether it's five precepts, eight precepts, or the Vinaya training we do, the result is again a sense of well-being, inner well-being, sense of peace. So it's even something we can reflect on regularly, Sila Nusati, as a p- way of just bringing up inner happiness. in these simple ways, run through your patimokasila, run through your precepts, different ways to reflect but the idea is to bring the mind to recognize and appreciate the good that is being done as we keep the precepts and obviously we're training the mind to abandon those more unwholesome. good, wholesome consequences of keeping good sealers, that one is destined for a heavenly sense pleasure having no illness and disease no problems no things that annoy you. experience peace through through spirituality through developing themselves the peace and happiness of dharma and sila then to lay the foundation or the give them some insight into why it's worth meditating talk about the drawback Sensual pleasure, nice things, nice experiences, pleasant experiences, feeling good, feeling pleasure in different ways, and often even uh, people's belief and aspiration. For practical terms it requires a lot of effort to achieve you you work all day to earn money to have a little bit of pleasure when you bound up with so much dukkha, hard work, suffering, burdens, the fear of losing it, insecurity in so many different ways, the Buddha would start to point out the drawbacks, as he would teach, again, to give people right view, even though it's not always what we want to hear. You know, most people aspire to Talks about the drawbacks. Maybe there's a moment of discomfort. You see that sometimes when you do point out the drawbacks, you know, good health doesn't last forever. Well necessary when they're ready. And obviously the Buddha in his wisdom or a teacher like Ajahn Chah his wisdom would see when people are ready perhaps to receive that teacher. the truth to free them from suffering so he did have to point out the dangers the drawbacks of attachment to say the sensual realm pleasures and happiness then he'd also talk, to, talk about the release, the way the path that leads to the release the liberation from attachment this is the leading on more to super mundane or local See if you've developed some happiness from from your practice on whatever level. The Four Noble Truths are easier to accept as a model for how you view the world and view your life. If the Buddha started straight off with that every time, some people probably would have found it difficult. But little by little, you Buddha would introduce the idea of the Four Noble Truths so they could see that even the happiness of this world, even the happiness of a heaven realm, it's impermanent, still based on this body and mind, what we call the Five Kandas, and where you can really understand the Four Noble Truths is... Start to emerge when you focus, mindfulness and awareness, and wisely reflect on your own five candles. You see, they don't last. They're conditioned things, subject. out of wisdom, giving us the tools to really understand the Four Noble Truths from our own experience. Obviously, when we're totally stuck in dukkha, we don't see the five kandhas as kandhas. We don't see dukkha as dukkha. We're just caught up into the uh, suffering of the experience. This is why he dukkha subsides from our life by practicing dana, sila, mindfulness, to put the mind in a sp- mm-hmm. place where it's ready to see dukkha as dukkha, yeah. the first noble truth, to see it for what it is, as we chant every day, mm-hmm. association with the dislike is dukkha, separation from Dukkha itself is not to be abandoned, it's to be known. Again, when our mind is still without complete samadhi, we tend to go the way of the world, which is just to run away from Dukkha, try to escape from it, hide from it, blot it out. But the Buddha's more effective way Solving the problem is to know Dukkha for what it is. Recognize it, know it. Know that it's the nature of this body to age, to be painful, to get hungry, to feel hot, cold, to feel tired, to get old and eventually to die. These are truths to be known, not hidden away or overlooked. gradually deepening our right view our understanding of right view from the mundane level understanding what is good, bad, karma to the super mundane level where we understand the complete freedom of suffering must come when we abandon the attachment and clinging to the five candles. no longer just a belief Brings up a sense of well-being and obviously leads to a lot of benefit for ourselves and others. We have that as a cushion to help us because as you're focusing on the five the five candles mindfully and getting to know them as they are, assessing them, understanding them, you'll tend to have this uh, you drop into sometimes you are caught up into the dukkha of your own drop into attachment, back into attachment for the candors and the suffering that brings and then we'll have moments when the mind rises out of that through the practice of mindfulness inside and we can see the candors as they are as suffering and as something that we cling to when we lose our awareness when we're caught into wrong view, we'll cling to them as self a lot of the time we're going back between these two. Sometimes there's some clarity, some separation, some equanimity towards the candors. Then other times back in there, stuck in there, just with our own thoughts, our own reactions to things, our emotions of pleasure and pain. And that's why it's important to understand the role of And we do slip back into our attachment and we have this as a cushion. impermanent is not yours it's not self and i think all of us have to go through this back and forth where there's moments of clarity you understand that nothing belongs to you nothing is permanent nothing is permanent but then you fall back into the process where craving is giving rise to clinging giving rise to more delusion more misunderstanding of the truth sense of self, wanting to do things, get things, get rid of the things we don't like, get the things we want get the things we do like until the path becomes clear again and we might have moments of insight where we let go the idea is that little by little we're chipping away at our own delusion and ignorance which is the, the cause of our suffering little by little replacing that with gradually the light of wisdom is strong enough and clear enough that it's there all the time if not perfectly there at least imperfectly there all the time with wisdom then short brief moments where the mind has some peace (coughs) some contentment some inner happiness it's enough for us to reflect back and see the suffering that comes from attachment even those brief moments are a taste of the path to liberation give us again the basis for insight when we can see attachment forming again for sense object Suffering if we cling to them. As we hear over and over again, the, the way the noble ones see the world, they see the world as suffering, not worth the trouble. The world is based on the senses. slip away from the path, and the mind keeps going back into hoping for a bit more, wanting a bit more pleasure, thinking this will do it, that will do it, and maybe even feel that the, the equanimity and the peace of the noble ones is not very attractive. Disappointment, more attachment, more clinging, more disappointment. And finally when we're clear enough in our mind we know this is not what we want.